You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hello and welcome to episode 56 of the Manage Mental Podcast, a weekly discussion on hot topics in the music biz for the up-and-comers, the brand newbies, the beginners, and aspiring rock stars of tomorrow. This podcast is propelled by your input and feedback, so please rate and review and leave us a comment on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I am your host, Mr. Blasco, and as always, I am joined by my good friend, the co-host from the other coast, Mr. Mike Mowry. Blasco, were you ever like a sports fan when you were growing up? Possibly. Like in grade school, like I played baseball and I played like flag football, you know, this is like, you know, grade school or whatever. And then like in the summers, I played softball, but I wasn't really like an uber fan, you know, like I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't really know anybody's names or follow any specific teams. Um, I was born and raised in LA, so I've been lucky enough to uh, actively root for the Lakers and the Raiders and and uh, the Dodgers, right? But uh, but no, the long-winded answer to your question is no. All right, that's actually a little bit more involvement than I thought you might have had. And the reason that I'm asking is I loved sports as a kid. I loved playing them, and I loved watching them. And I'm dubbing this episode the Lawrence Taylor episode. Because Lawrence nice. Taylor was number 56. And though I wasn't a Giants fan, he was on the Giants. And for some reason, that number has always stuck in my head with Mr. LT. So there you go. In the last episode, we chatted marketing with our friend Dave Cool from bandzoogle.com. I thought that was a really cool episode. We got a lot of good feedback. Uh, Mike, what was uh, your thoughts on that episode? Yeah, it was awesome. You know, we, we broke away from what we normally do. I think that's the second time we've had you know, someone on. And the first time uh, you had the attorney Eric German on, but you did that interview uh, without me. So it was really fun to kind of bring in someone else. I, I thought the product was cool as well. I wasn't familiar with Banzoogle prior to them reaching out to us. So yeah, we did get some good feedback. So let us know what you guys think. Yeah. Having a guest was cool. I felt like people, I felt like people dug it and I agree. Like I didn't really know much about Banzoogle, but uh, it was very informative. And, um, and uh, you know, they, they've got some really cool stuff. I mean, like, you know, like we were saying in the episode, like if anyone that hasn't listened to it, you should definitely go back and check it out. But, you know, like we were saying in the episode, it's like, it's one thing to have a platform where you can go and build a website, but they've actually done a lot more with it and they, they provide a lot of resources. They have an excellent customer service team and um, they really pride themselves on the fact that they're musicians that built a platform for musicians. Yeah, I think that's kind of the key and you know, it's cool to see companies, sponsors if you will, reaching out to us because they know that we've got such a great audience 
I think they can see that there's engagement and know that, you know, hopefully our, our listeners are listening to us. And I thought it was kind of cool when they reached out. You know, you were the one that said, let's not just have them sponsor the podcast. You know, let's actually bring the guy on and talk about it a little bit. So I thought it was great. It was a lot of fun to, to chat with him. And, and I think the key, like you said, is, you know, they're musicians. And what I have found time and time again is most of the best products come out of somebody identifying a need like a musician is struggling and it sounded like the founder was building websites and was struggling with you know people always coming to him saying hey i need a band website hey i need a band website hey i need a band website and eventually the little light bulb goes off and says hmm, maybe there's a viable business here so and on, and on a and on a bigger scale isn't this can't we look at this as sort of a, a representation of everything that we're talking about to people that listen to the show in that you and I, we don't have to do a podcast. We do it because we have a passion for it, right? And then whenever we decided to do it, we're like, let's just do it, you know? And here we are a little over a year in, uh, we were com- we were definitely consistent, right? We, we, we nailed one every week, no matter if you were out of town or I was on tour or whatever, we were able to pull it together. And by and large, we, we knocked one out every week on a consistent basis. We stuck to our we stuck to our theme, and, and you know, and it took about the year for it to catch on. But the listenership has grown, you know, incrementally. People have started to take knowledge. Hypot has started to retweet us. Uh, you know, Ari noticed us and mentioned mentioned us. We've been able to bring on sponsors. So isn't this in some ways indicative of like guys, like everyone listening, like. Just stick to the plan, you know, go to it. And then and then when people and then people will eventually start to to catch on. And when they do embrace them and bring them into your, you know, your world. I mean, it's like, you know, we're talking about sponsors, but in the band side, you know, we're talking about fans and engaging with them. And I, and I feel like, you know, we, we've kind of learned a lot of, you know, practice what you preach, I guess. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've said it a couple times on on here, and I'm, you know, one of my taglines is great content done consistently over time. And I always joke, you know, content is subjective. So if if you can't make it great, or if others don't think it's great, at least make it good enough. But our consistency is what it is, which has been, I believe, pretty much every single week. And then time has done its thing. Here we are a year in, and, and yeah, people are taking notice of of what we're doing. So yeah, it, it feels cool, and it's nice because you know I think you and I both want to make sure that the things that we are are willing to represent on the show are actually you know good products, without a doubt. So on that topic, today's episode is sponsored by our buddies at Rockabilia.com. Go check them out for the awesomest collection of officially licensed band merch on the planet. Use our code PCMANAGEMENTAL and get 15% off your entire order. Also, today's episode is sponsored by the cool kids over at bandzoogle.com where you can build a stunning website for your music in minutes. Try it free first. 30 days and be sure to use the promo code mental to get 15% off first year of your subscription. This week we talk about how to find a music career mentor. This is going to be killer so let's get 
mental. Yeah, baby. Mentorship is something that you're passionate about. Let's get into it because I'm curious about your mentors that you had uh, while starting because I know that I had plenty. But um, this is a uh, guest post that I found on HypeBot, which once again, I love, HypeBot.com. And it was a post by Angela Mastro Giacomo, and I think that we've used uh, a post from her recently as well. And it was titled, uh, How to Find a Music Career Mentor. And it goes like this. In the music industry, it can sometimes feel like you're going it alone. There's so many tasks to be done, decisions to be made, and moves to make, and oftentimes it falls on you to make it all happen. Sometimes this is due to lack of budget, but oftentimes it's due to our need to feel in control to handle everything in our own way. The simple truth is that you can't be successful on your own. No one has ever reached the top without the help, influence, and guidance of others. In fact, if you ask most successful people how they got where they are, they'll attribute a good chunk of it to a mentor who took them under their wing in the early days. Someone who helped them understand how the business worked, guiding them in how to make their decisions, introduced them to others in the field, and just generally taught them what they know so that they could focus on building, growing, and sustaining their business rather than wasting years struggling to figure it out on their own. So, Mike, we've been doing this for roughly the same amount of time. Whenever you started, was there anyone that you would consider a mentor that you know, helped you it, along it, the it's way? It's interesting. In fact, I mean, there's a lot of people that have have been a resource to me. You know, people I can reach out to, whether I'm confused as to how something works, whether I need an introduction to somebody. You know, all the reasons and uh, that you and I would reach out to you know professionals that are on our level or you know potentially a step ahead. But in thinking about it, as a manager. I didn't really have a mentor and I've always felt that, you know, I really, I I guess I I really wish that I would have. So the way that I started my company was, you know, my buds in darkest hour asked me to manage them. They were going on OzFest and being based in the Washington DC area back then, you know, Mike from darkest hour, great friend of mine, he said, you should really meet our attorney. So their attorney was based here in DC as well. And we hit it off and thought that we could have a partnership where, you know, some of his strengths in terms of business development and contacts would align with my strengths. I was a tour manager, you know, that, that really knew the road through and through. And so I guess you could call him somewhat of a mentor, but he didn't manage bands. And you and I both know that you can be the smartest freaking person in the room but managing bands is its own unique thing. And I there I will admit, I really wish that I would have had someone, you know, there day in and day out that could have helped me, you know, really understand what band management was. I feel like I might have progressed a little bit quicker, but thankfully, you know, I have no problem reaching out to friends, reaching out to other managers, reaching out to other people in the business, you know, when I do get in a position where maybe I don't have the answer, 
Um, it's usually, you know, one or two phone calls away from somebody walking me through it. What about yourself? Well, let me ask you this. What made you think that you could be a manager? Um, that's a great question. And in fact, I, I always chuckle because when I was tour managing the international noise conspiracy, I was doing everything that a great tour manager, you know, on that level should be doing booking the flights, booking the bus, you know, making sure merch was handled, you know, getting the back line, you know, just basically all logistics, all accounting, you know, everything that you could possibly do out there, I was doing it. And that skill set came from, I've got, you know, good organizational skills. I had a hunger for it and a passion for it, but I laugh because there was a time and, and the manager for international noise conspiracy is a dear friend of mine. He was in my wedding he and I co-managed Refuse together. But there was a time when I was like, what the hell does he do? Like, I'm doing all this stuff, you know? But, but as I started to see what a manager, you know, I dove in feet first and I just said, look, I mean, I became a tour manager because International Noise Conspiracy knew I had a van and they, you know, and I knew Dennis. So they said, hey, we're going on tour. Can you tour manage us? I said, I guess. You know, and I hadn't properly settled a show. I came from DIY, punk hardcore, you know, where they're handing you, you know, a percentage of the door on a good day or they're passing a hat around or whatever it may be. But then I was starting to deal with contracts and really figuring out the business. And and I felt like I had a real knack for it. So when Darkest Hour came to me, you know, with that opportunity, I just said, sure, why not? I mean, I was confident in my ability to, figure it out and, and guide them, um, you know, through whatever they may have come. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, what's interesting is cause the origin of all managers are all different, right? You were a tour manager. I feel like a lot of guys come from either the promoter or label side, um, that become managers. And I came from the musician side. Now, at the time that we both started, right, what was this, 14, 15 years ago? This was, you know, at the height of a lot of band dudes trying to manage bands, having their own record labels. You know, you had a, you had a, a really significant amount of band dudes involving, their, in, involving themselves in the business on some level, right? And because of that, me being a musician, it was sort of mixed. I had people that were supportive and then I had people that were kind of just like, oh, yeah, yeah, dude, whatever. I give you like six months before you totally burn out on, on, you know, on this and you realize how not so glamorous it is, right? And I remember the bulk of the people that kind of treated me with that kind of attitude. And, and look, in hindsight, man, like I don't think they're wrong because I don't know how often you look back at your content, you know, your contact list from, from that long ago, but wow. Is there a wealth of people that did burn out within six months or, or a year and couldn't handle it and didn't realize that they couldn't be involved on both sides of the fence? You know what I mean? Well, absolutely. And I think, you know, the, the key, especially in the worlds that we exist in and, and really any worlds, you know, you make a good point. I feel that managers typically have an expertise in some other part of the biz. So you were you know, whether you're an expert musician or not, we don't need to debate that, but that's what you did. You were a musician. I was a tour manager. You know, I wanted to expand what I was doing and, and was given an opportunity to do so. But 
you know, I think on that band guy level, so much of it is like identifying new talent, you know, and then because there is no test, right? There's nobody that says, hey, Belasco, you know, your dude in a band wants to become a manager. Give him the test and make sure he can pass. It's like, no, he can just go get an email address and, you know, a smartphone or what were those little T-Mobile uh, flip thing? The sidekick. Yep. You could get a sidekick, side you know, and be a manager. And inevitably, you're right. It is really, really, really hard work. I mean, you have to have such a broad skill set in an ideal world. You know, if you're managing bands at a certain level that do have budget, you know, and that's what she says there in in the intro paragraph, you know, really you and I are are leading the entire team alongside our bands and making sure that all of the people who are experts in marketing, you know, in merchandise, in tour management, in exploitation of recorded rights, i.e. a label, you know, or whatever, publishing, we're keeping all of them on task to make sure that they are working as hard as they should for our band. But inevitably, you know, so many of the things, especially as a guy, you know, you know, I've developed a lot of bands. We don't always have all those people in place. And so it's fallen on either me or, you know, my team to do so many of those those roles. So I think that's where that challenge lied with, you know, a lot of the musicians that, that were, you know, bandagers, I think is what we, <laughs> we had sort of, of dubbed them. And, you know, look, I think they all had great intentions. You and I both deal with a lot of bands where there is a person in the band who probably could, you know, manage artists. But I think you make the good point where, well, when you're, when you're in a band, you know, you need to focus on that first and foremost. And if you're trying to, you know, also devote and dedicate time to growing another artist, you're inevitably going to run into some challenges there. Yeah. For me, you know, my mentors as, as I got started, I mean, it really starts with Sharon Osbourne in that not so much that she was like a resource that I, you know, would be able to connect with along the way, but she was the one that gave me my start in the the first band that I dealt with was a band from Battle for Ozfest. And, you know, my relationship with her, that's what enabled that to happen. So, um, you know, passively she would, and of course, along the way, you know what I mean? Now, like, you know, every so often, like, you know, I'll ask something, but, um, but, you know, and she's on a whole nether level, you know, from, from a different era too. But starting off the, you know, the people that I felt really helped me was Vaughn and Kenny, you know, they, they were always there and they were always supportive and they always, you know, humored, my <laughs> he humored That's, me along the way yeah St strong and, management great guys wonderful yep. wonderful guys managed kill switch engage and a number of other artists just yeah yeah and people. then nick and Kristen that uh work with rick sales so you know that's like you know slayer and it, it wasn't so much ghost at the time but you know slayer and and uh, you know everything that goes along with with that and those four people really were very accommodating and, and, and didn't, you know, you know, maybe, you know, they humored the situation, but they consistently answered questions that I had along the way. 
And, you know, even still to this day, sometimes I got to be like, oh, hey, like Nick, like, you know, what happened whenever this happened? Or like, how about winning that Grammy? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Hey, how do or, I win a Grammy? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because Nick and those guys over at Rick Sales, they manage Mastodon. Um, well, you know, obviously I've had a lot of people, you know, if, if I think, and some of these guys are no longer in the business, you know, Dave Ciancio, who managed mm. Shadows Fall, most notably, For sure. still a friend of mine. Um, and was always, you know, willing to answer questions. But I guess, you know, two questions for you is one, what made you think you could do it? And then I'll, I'll answer that one first and then I'll, I'll ask the second one. I thought that I could do it because I had been in the business for a while and practically I looked at it like it's about relationships and it's about contacts and it's a about having a network of people that you can reach out to and ask favors for. And I felt like, I, I mean, granted it wasn't a big network, but I had enough, I had enough people that I could reach out to from a small level. And, you know, and I look, I was, I was dealing with a smaller band and you know what I mean? I, 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 and, and things were more, things were more vibrant then too. You know, there was, there was, there was definitely like a lot more going on and, and, and whatnot. So I think I just practically thought that, that like I had the skill set to, to, to start it off. I wasn't sure how it was going to end up, but like, I felt like I had a skill set to, you know, put my toe in the water and see if it would work. And then the other thing, which I think maybe you'll get a kick out of is, you know, sometimes you just look around your circumference, right? As being in the music business and you look at these people and you go, that dude is successful and that dude is an idiot. And if that dude can do this, I feel like I could do this. <laughs> yeah, <know> I mean? <laughs> absolutely. And, and you know, the recurring theme in any part of the business, you know, everybody's just says you got to be in the game long enough to, you know, get the chance to hit a grand slam. You know, you got to be lucky in some senses, but my, my other question for you is, you know, okay, so you thought you could do it. How did you approach kind of the systems? You know, I mean, I think there's multiple ways to manage a band. I mean, you're, you're leading them. You know, I always say in the mentorship that I do, you know, we're either the CEO, you know, and I always, you know, make sure to say that the, the artist is right there alongside me. I mean, it is their band, so they need to be involved in the decisions or, when I go back to sports, you know, I say we're kind of like a coach um, or a co-captain and, and the artist is, you know, our, our, our co-captain in that instance. But like, what did you do or how did you know what, you know, what systems to even implement, if any, you know, in terms of, of managing an artist? Yeah, look, on the administrative side, it, that you just kind of figure out. And because you start small, you're all, you're, you know, you're all starting small. So, you know, whenever you're doing a, you know, a tour budget for a van tour, it's pretty easy to do at the very beginning because there's, you really have so little to work with. It's like, can you afford to get from here to Las Vegas? <laughs> have, you, have you ever, have you ever not done a budget just because you know that it's, you know, it's going to look so pathetic, but you need to do the tour anyway. So you just skip it. I've always in the early days, I always did a budget because you know why there is this thing. Remember this thing that we used to be able to do tour support yep. <laughs> and, and, and labels would 
give if there's if you do a budget for a tour and let's say there's you know a couple thousand dollar shortfall because we're not making enough money to cover all our expenses the labels would pay you the difference of what that shortfall was and that was called tour support and um so i would always have to do a budget to show the deficit and right. be able to invoice them for that um but uh yeah yeah you you say a couple thousand i've seen those things up in the six, oh sure six, no, know, i'm not being figures, nice which is just yeah, yeah. mind-boggling given where we are um now this is fun i mean i think you and i could talk about this you know for five straight episodes and for sure and well and be I mean, able I... to give people some some insight into into you know what it is that that uh yeah <laughs> what it is that we do as managers right for sure. So anyway, let's dig into the episode. The finding a mentor. So let's define the two types of mentors. There are two types of mentors. Both are people you should look up to whose work and career you respect and who you know you'd be lucky to learn from, right? Think about that. So there's two types. First one, the first one is more of a passive type. Someone you can't speak to one-on-one. -on -one. However, there's still a lot you can learn from them by perusing their website and their social media, signing up for their newsletters, and reading past interviews they've done. You'll get a feel for how they operate their career and what you can take from that. It's not just what they do, but how and why that you need to pay attention to. With enough research, you'll begin to put together a formula and inspiration for your own career. So Mike, is there someone, is there, is there someone that maybe you read their blog or read their books or pay attention to, not necessarily in the music business, but maybe someone, uh, you know, like a Tim Ferriss or someone to where like you kind of passively you know, they, they sort of passively influence you or motivate you. Yeah. You know, what's funny is I, there's not like one person that I religiously follow, but there are a few people where when I can listen to, you know, a podcast or read something that they've written, I always pick something up. Tim Ferriss is one of those guys. There's a guy named Steve, Steve Rennie, uh, the Ren man who, mm -hmm. you know, managed incubus and was doing online education, pretty much earlier than than almost anyone else you know i always like to read left sets newsletter which is sort of funny but yeah i mean you know as far as big time managers you know i always like to try to look and listen to the guys from q prime who have been yeah. doing this with metallica for 40 plus years i mean because to me again this is a really great article because because what she says there is it's not just what they do it's how and why and I think that's really what defines a good manager is somebody who figures out the hows and whys and does that consistently. It's not just, you know, the way that they get there. It's, you know, the vision of how we're going to get there and why we even need to go where the hell we're going. Yep. The second mentor is the accessible type. Someone like you, Mike. These are the people you can talk to one-on-one -on -one in a highly individualized way. Maybe their schedule only allows for a few emails or calls here and there, or maybe they're interested in a long-term mentorship where you do weekly lunches or monthly coffee dates. These are some of the most valuable mentors to have to be able to access their knowledge 
learn from what has and hasn't worked for them and tell them your own struggles to get their advice is invaluable. Yeah, you know, I think that's a really good point. We've got a lot of peers who, you know, we call and shoot the shit with. And I think you and I have talked. That's more or less how this podcast came about was we were doing a weekly call just to touch base, see what's going on in the industry and sort of commiserate. You know, oh, we had a bad, you know, something happened here. You'll find this funny there, you know, just things along that line. But to me, you know, one thing I want to make sure that I, I mention is I enjoy mentoring and really strive to do it because when I first started managing, most of the bands that I had picked up already had deals in place. You know, they already had record deals. And so I was not the person that did those deals. And oftentimes I found I was kind of fighting an uphill battle, you know, because the deal was was maybe not as good as I think it should have been or there was provisions or, you know, it was with somebody that, you know, was a total pain in the ass. And so what I have always strived to do as I've learned is try to make sure, you know, this comes from that DIY, you know, punk rock ethic from the hardcore days is try to make sure that artists don't fall into that same trap, you know, and, and now more than ever, there's so much information out there. The artists are still signing bad deals, you know, and amongst people like you and I, people are like, how are they still signing bad deals? But inevitably, you know, they're still young. They don't have the experience and, and the resources that we have at this time, but that's why I want to be able to, to, you know, that's why I do my coaching platform. That's why I have been accessible is I want to provide artists with tools to, you know, potentially give them the best shot at actually doing this for a living. Yeah. You know, many years ago, uh, I tried something like this and it was in the MySpace days. Um, and I, and I built like a, you know, a MySpace page for it or whatever. And, I think it, it was before I understood what like a mentorship or a, a coaching type of platform was. And I don't remember exactly how I advertised it, but I, you know, I, I put it out there and I'd say I had about, you know, a dozen clients, but, and, 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 and what it was doing, it was, it was like, uh, I can't, I can't manage you, but like, if you'd like to, if you have questions or whatever, like about the business or whatever, I can, I can, you know, I can listen to your music. I can help you or whatever. I mean, it was coaching and it was mentorship. I just wasn't presented in that way. And at the time I shut it down relatively quickly because I very quickly learned that there was no return business. I, I feel, I feel like everybody that every client that I had thought that I had some, I had some key, like I had some secret key to success. I had, I knew the way that you could skip all the hard work and, and just bypass that and get, you know, you know, get to the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow without having to, you know, without having to do any work for it. Right. Like, the, like I had some secret easy way out. And whenever you have your initial consultation with them and you, you, you pitch them on the amount of not, not like there's like an amount of hard work, but just kind of like the realization that there is no easy way out. There was no, <laughs> there was no return customer. So I feel like now 
people have been accustomed to, you know, the mentorship and coaching to where it's like you, you, it's, I don't know, I don't know what the right word is, but it's like, it's just, it's just more accustomed to feel like that you're integrated into something that isn't overnight. Right. And that people, people, you know, smart musicians are aware that having a coach or a mentor to make sure that you're not making bad decisions versus doing all the work for you. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, it is funny that, you know, you, you did it in the MySpace days because, you know, Facebook is the behemoth that it is. And everybody talks about, you know, you know, MySpace was so massive at one point, but it's like, you know, you, you sometimes you don't want to be the first guy doing the stuff. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a bit of an explosion of people offering, you know, tailored and, and branded coaching and mentorship. And I think a, a big reason why is part of why you were doing it is you, you do have knowledge. You want to be able to, to help artists, but yeah, you can't manage every single band, you know, that comes to you wide eyed and bushy tailed and 15 passenger van and trailer ready to go. You know, so it there's so many artists that tools are available to them. I think you're right. They just need to be pointed in the right direction. And in some senses, you know, be held accountable. You're right. It is hard work. And who's going to hold you accountable for doing the work that you need to do? Oftentimes, that's that's going to be a coach or a mentor. Yep. And so how do you approach a mentor? There's a few ways to go about approaching them. All of them involve developing a genuine connection. If you can get in front of them at a conference or via a shared group connection, somewhere you can make a lasting impression, go for it. Even better, if you can find a common connection, it's best to ask that person for an introduction. An intro coming from a trusted source is more likely to get you a response. Yeah. I mean, this is all really good advice. And we talk about, um, a lot of this stuff in, in the coaching platform that I have outer loop coaching. I mean, you and I implement so many of these things still, if we want to meet someone or if we need, you know, an introduction to someone, I'm going to go to you and say, Hey, Blasco, I want to meet the guy at, you know, insert company here. Do you know him? You're like, yeah, let me send you an intro. And you're right often, or she's right. 99% of the time, the person is going to respond because of the relationship that they have with you. If I just cold email them, you know, what obligation do they have to me? They might respond, but chances are that they also might not. Yeah. And in the event that you find a mentor, you somehow can connect with them. What if they're not interested? Firstly, don't be discouraged them saying no or not responding is almost certainly not their way of telling you that you and your music career choices suck. You know, they're probably just busy, haven't seen the email, or simply don't have the time in their schedule. Keep approaching new potential mentors and keep your goals realistic. Yeah, I mean, I, there is no, I guess I should just say, most of the people that are doing this full time and doing it on the level that we're doing or larger are super busy. You know, we are busy. And so our time is valuable to us. And I, it's funny. I had a kid call me yesterday. It was a random number and I decided to pick up and he, you know, he's like, Hey, this is such and such. And I, you know, met him once or twice in the past and he'd been emailing me 
but I just hadn't had a chance to get back to him. And so that call actually broke through, you know, in a way that, you know, it wouldn't have if he just continued to email me. That said, probably don't have time to invest in that relationship right now. So, you know, I I think she makes a great point. That's not for him to get discouraged. It has no, you know, it, it, I'm not judging his music or career choices. I'm just busy. You know, I've got my bona fide coaching platform. And if he wants to participate in that, you know, by all means he can, but yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of people that probably do say no because everybody's so busy. What's your yeah. I mean, this might be a little too captain obvious, but you know, it's potentially best to reach out to someone. If you are looking for a mentor, it's potentially best to reach out to someone that actually offers that or has actually opened themselves up to a mentorship. Like, you know, there's plenty of people that like, oh man, it would be great if, if, you know, this particular person, you know, if, if like, if I'm a filmmaker, right? Like, wouldn't, wouldn't Quentin Tarantino be a fantastic mentor? Yeah, probably. But guess what? Like, he's not a mentor. <laughs> he, he doesn't advertise himself as a mentor. So I feel like there's people that potentially would be good choices, but you got to make sure that they even, you know, are open to that or, 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 you know, offer up a service of that nature. No, I think that's a great point. And also on the Tarantino uh, tip, I always encourage people to try to find somebody that's only a couple steps ahead of them, you know, and obviously Tarantino had to grow. I'm, I haven't followed his entire career, but you know, he's on a level now that if you're an introductory filmmaker, he probably, you know, times have changed so much. Um, he, he might not even be as valuable as somebody who's, you know, just one or two steps ahead of the person that needs the, the mentoring. Yeah. And then uh, the final is what if they're interested? When you do find someone who agrees to chat with you, don't make them regret it. This means working around their schedule and knowing what you want to ask or talk about ahead of time so that you're making the most of your time together. Yeah, this is a really good point. I think knowing why you want a mentor, the specifics of why you want a mentor. Think about what are the things that have been really challenging to you. You can't just go in and say, oh, I want my band to be bigger, you know, or oh, I want to be on the main stage of Warp Tour or whatever, you know, it may be. You should really, you know, look inside and figure out what are the, the you know, identifiable pain points in, you know, your band or, you know, your career and, and come prepared to ask those specific questions. Yeah. And, it, and it's almost like, I kind of look at it more like a, a, like a music coach, like a life coach, like a therapist, right? Not someone that's going to be able to like, just get you across the finish line faster without having to put in any effort. Like, I think it's more like, I think the the idea of getting a mentor or a coach is someone that can direct you in a way to where the work that you are doing is smart work, not hard work. Because I feel like with the amount of information and everything that's out there is that 
you could spend a lot of time spinning wheels that are just going to point you in the direction of complete burnout and frustration because you don't know where you're supposed to be spending your time, you know? So would that be a fair definition of like the right kind of working relationship is like, Hey, like I'm just, I just need someone to point me in the right direction and coach me along the way of like, you know, it's almost like taking guitar lessons or something like, you know, here's a D chord. Now go play around with it and then come back next week and then I'll show you another chord and then by, you know, and then, you know, before you know it, you're playing guitar. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I think you and I having been in the business as long as we have, you know, we take some of that information for granted. And, and I do when I talk to young people or developing people, they just don't know how things are done. You know, a perfect example is they see four bands out, you know, touring on a package. They have no clue how that was put together. Um, you know, and so those are the types of things where when you do work with someone, again, you, you get to see sort of maybe not, you know, they're not going to be that magician like you mentioned. They're going to be able to give you the insight and again, hold you accountable if, if that's part of that relationship, you know, to, to working towards your specific goals. Yeah. I mean, I think the mentors can come in all shapes and sizes. I think, you know, there can be people that guide you through very specific things. They can also just be somebody to talk to and commiserate and, you know, get an understanding and, and be an ear, you know, to, to lean on as you're going through, you know, what is a, a freaking wild and crazy business? Yeah. And so before we wrap up today, I kind of wanted to throw this out there. So as I was putting this episode together, you know, I kind of thought about the idea of what, what if, you know, would you and would the listenership be interested in something like, you know, a managementor, if you will, here we are managemental. This is our you know, we, we throw this out there to give back and, you know, for, for the, you know, the love and, and the passion of the business and, and sharing what we've learned along the way. But is there, is the opportunity to open the doors to a managed mentor, something that people would be interested in, you know, like, and that's, and that's, you know, getting on the phone, you know, with, with Mike and I potentially and doing more of a mentorship. Is that an idea? Is that an idea worth pursuing? What do you think? What a freaking cool name. I mean, obviously I've got the coaching platform uh, at outerloopcoaching.com that you know many people have checked out. Um, and we're doing more of specific courses. Like we're developing things. I guess they're products, but you know, we're trying to teach people how to release a record in the best way possible. We're trying to teach people how to you know, in 60 days, make their band into something signable. We're not so much doing the stuff that, that you're mentioning here. So look, I like the name manage mentor. Really cool. Nice work on that one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think let's let, where are people going to, going to tell us what they would want out of it? Is it just that you're asked, ask Blasco? Um, yeah. I mean, that that's the email that works the best. I mean, look, anyone that's, you know, got this deep into the episode and, and thinks maybe, um, a deeper level of connection with um, myself and and uh, Mike is maybe beneficial to you. Let us know. Like, let us know if, if that's of interest. Um, askblasco at gmail.com is probably the best place to uh, to send that to. Or you know, who knows? Like, you know, 
tweet us whenever we, you know, post up the episode or, you know, respond on the, you know, Instagram or whatever, um, you know, and, uh, but I'm curious, I'm curious if that's something that people might be interested in, you know, so, but anyway, that's, uh, that's my wrap up. That's the episode. We went a little long today, but I felt like it was super fun and I'm glad we did. That concludes episode 56. Thank you all for tuning in. We will be back here next week. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blasco1313. We encourage you to email us any questions or comments or any interest in our managementor idea to me directly at askblasco at gmail.com. If you have listened this far, much respect to you for making efforts to educate yourselves and taking your future into your own hands. Mike, what you got cooking? Thanks again, my friend. A really fun episode. It's nice to just kind of riff a little at the beginning, you know, loose form and just pick each other's brains on, you know, what it took to get us started in this crazy business of managing bands. But you guys know how to find me. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Mike O'Loop. My coaching platform is outerloopcoaching.com. Head over there, plug in your email address, and you'll get a free ebook. Don't forget that this episode was brought to you by the great people at Rockabilia and Banzoogle. We have discount codes. If you didn't catch it at the beginning, they will be in the show notes. And last but not least, let us know where you are listening to us. Uh, we are available on Stitcher and TuneIn and iTunes and Spotify. Yeah, I'd like to know where people are listening to us. So if you if you get a chance to, to let us know, that'd be great. But if you are on Apple Podcasts, please head over there and uh, rate and review us. I think that's all I got, my man. I love it. Thanks, everyone. Peace. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like.